you tired of writing down all your expenses the old-fashioned pen and paper way? Are you looking to automate your finances in an easy-to-do and quick way? Well, then I have just the app for you. Finlect allows you to track your spending and even helps you budget your finances in a way that helps you be more mindful of your money. So download the app and start your journey to financial freedom. In today's podcast, we have Shireen Abdullah, who tells us about the DIFC Fintech Hive Accelerator Program, and she provides insights on financial management within startup companies. I hope you enjoy the episode. Hello, listeners, and thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. Today, we have a very special guest. We have Shireen Abdullah from the DIFC Fintech Hive. Currently, she helps operate the Hive in the UAE, where she brings together startup founders and C-suite executives to develop prominent fintech ventures. She also hosts the Spark with Shireen podcast, where she shares stories and innovation in the Middle East. Shireen, thank you for coming. Thanks for having me, Trevor. All right, Shireen, could you please tell us what fintech is and how your company contributes to the growth of this sector? Sure, I'd be happy to. But firstly, let me clarify, it's not my company by any means. It's actually (laughs) ultimately owned by the government of Dubai. (laughs) So there are much, much bigger stakeholders uh, who are actually driving the fintech agenda. But I do work there and I'd be happy to tell you what Fintech Hive does and what my role is within that. So Fintech Hive is the fintech hub of the Dubai International Financial Center, which is ultimately a part of the government of Dubai. And it is the leading financial district in, in the region. And what we are is effectively a home for fintechs to grow. And the reason why fintechs need a home that is carved out separately than where all the other banks sit is because they have very unique needs being startups. They need access to an ecosystem, to uh, subsidized licensing and co-working space and hands-on support. And I'm part of the providers of hands-on support to them. I operate a accelerator program that helps give them access to banks who can help them with both mentorship as well as proof of concept opportunities. And I'm a part of a wonderful team that delivers that. So what makes your accelerator program different from all the other accelerator programs here in the UAE? Oh, well, it was the first fintech accelerator in the region. So naturally, it's become the largest. We've had three cohorts graduate, and we're currently amidst the fourth one. So in terms of alumni, it's the biggest network. In terms of banking partners who sponsor the program, it is also the largest. So effectively, what makes it most unique is just the network that the participants get. More importantly, it operates out of Dubai. And Dubai, I think, is the place founders find it more easy to attract talent to, um, as opposed to elsewhere in the region. Continuing with your accelerator program, I assume it would have been significantly affected by COVID, especially because your hive brings together individuals. However, with social distancing, this can't happen. So how has your hive adapted to better manage all the participating companies in your program? Funny enough, we've had the largest number of applications this year, despite COVID. Now, yeah. mind you, the number of applications per year have been increasing. And we announced, I think about a month ago, that over 600 applied this year. So by all means, COVID or otherwise, the entrepreneurship spirit is not diminished. Now, the way the Hive has had to adapt itself is simply because of the travel restrictions. Now, our founders come from all over the world, and we don't compromise the quality of technology that we bring through the program based on whether or not the founder can fly in. So we've stuck to bringing the best of the best. And you know what? If they can't fly in, we dial them in. And thanks to COVID, people are now very comfortable talking online, doing business online, meeting people online. So we've just had to up our Zoom game. 
So while the entrepreneurship spirit lives on, what kind of impact do you think this will have on their growth aspirations? I believe, or from what I hear at least, it's a little bit harder to raise money if you're a startup, particularly if you're at a pre-seed or seed stage. And that's because though investments, by the way, have been increasing year on year compared to 2019, um, the VC investments are being made at later stages of the startup journey. So if you're a new founder, you may just need to be cognizant of the fact that fundraising may be harder, which means that you need to think about perhaps bootstrapping the first phase of your business. But that doesn't mean that no investments are being made into seed at all. So perhaps maybe even refining your business planning and pitching skills is something founders need to look into. Could you explain what bootstrapping actually is? So boot, bootstrapping effectively means not borrowing money from anyone. It means oh. figuring out how you as a founder can finance your business and financing and finance it yourself. And you'd be surprised actually. And I will give you a piece of fact. Now, I, I don't remember what the source is. So excuse me for not giving a source. But I read somewhere that actually the largest source of financing for early stage businesses is founders' credit. So taking out loans and credit card debt from banks. And that was about 50% of all early stage business financing. I think that going to VCs is a bit glorified uh, because of the allure of scaling a business fast. But not all founders need to seek money from VCs. In fact, once you do, you frankly lose a bit of control over your business because then that VC needs to have a stake in the direction of where your business is going. Maybe you give them a seat on the board. So by all means, for entrepreneurs listening to this who are thinking of opening a business, try to do it yourself. Maybe you don't need to scale your business using VC money from the get-go. Sticking with capital, in the initial phases of any startup, capital is a very important asset and most times it's minimal, especially now during COVID. So what are some common mistakes early startups make when they either receive their initial capital or seed capital and how can these companies avoid these mistakes? Without myself being too involved in looking at the financials of the startups who come through my field of work, from what I hear is... Spending money on paid advertising may not necessarily be the way to go. I believe that maybe five years ago, founders would invest a lot in paid advertising, whether it's SEO to ad banners to what have you. Whereas I find that in the last one year, it's been all about content marketing and growth hacking. And what that effectively means is trying to reach an audience without throwing so much money at Facebook and Google and these other consumer advertising platforms. So the way you would do content marketing is effectively internally generate pieces of media, whether it's audio or visual, and putting it up there in your platforms with the growth hacking angle of trying to make it go viral. Because if it does, then that does the marketing for you at a lower cost than what you would have paid to Google and Facebook and these other advertising platforms. So at Finlect, we're about managing money in an effective way. If a company does choose to go with buying its marketing plans over trying to go viral, How important do you think it is for the company to budget this marketing money out and stick to this budget? Well, you definitely need to have some kind of a financial forecast before you decide to launch your business. Without forecasting revenue against your expenses, 
you're kind of walking in a forest with a blindfold on. I believe that at the end of the day, businesses need money to operate and without money, you can't operate. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean you need to be a profitable business. Sometimes if you're VC-backed and financed, you may be allowed to operate at a loss uh, in terms of a profit as long as your revenues are increasing. You know, there are different ways of looking at targets within a P&O, but you definitely need to make a business case and a financial business case to that. Of course, unless if you're thinking of running a non-for-profit, if you're thinking of running something that is not driven by profits before launching, you need to look at a totally different way of measuring impact. But ultimately, any business that is looking to generate profit needs to have some kind of a forecast. Even if you're not going to investors, the founder, him or herself, needs to know how to, or rather, what to target and steer towards when operating their business. Speaking of investors, when presented with multiple offers for my idea or my startup, How do I go about picking the right investor? What factors do I need to consider? Should I just pick the person with most money or are there other things that I do need to consider? (laughs) I believe that if a founder is in a position where they're picking and choosing investors, they are in a very good position. (laughs) I don't think it happens that way, frankly. I think that um, the fundraising process is difficult. Uh, let's not maybe make it sound like it's glorified because then otherwise people will think that investors just, you know, are throwing money at them. It is actually a very hard process as well as a lengthy process. But often you need to, in addition to just taking the money, you need to see if you and the person giving you the money see eye to eye in terms of the vision of the business. Now, often the person giving you money will expect to have a say in the direction. So they'll ask for a seat on the board or what have you, because at the end of the day, they need to safe keep their interest as people who have a financial stake in your company. And if you don't see eye to eye with them, then you will clash as a founder who has, let's say, an emotional attachment to your business and the person on your board who has a voting right more often than not, who is looking to simply maximize the return on their financial value. So I would kind of make sure if I was a founder that I do see eye to eye in the direction of the business from anyone giving me money before I accept money from them. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and were able to learn about the personal finance management of a startup company and how the DIFC FinTech Hype Accelerator works. Our conversation with Shireen will continue and I hope to catch you there. Until then, stay safe.